please, would you turn to Psalm 92? We looked at it last week, and we want to look at it again, please. Psalm 92. And since we looked at the psalm last week, I would just like us to read the key verses that I would like us to look at more in depth this morning, and those verses are verses 12 to 15. And like we said last week, um, that this is a song for the Sabbath day that was sang by the Israelites as they went to the house of the Lord to worship. So they sang this song on the Sabbath day. So we talked a little bit about the Sabbath day in the Old Testament and how it relates to the New Testament. And we see that they used to meet on a Saturday, and that's where the word Sabbath comes from. But as the New Testament church, we generally meet on the first day of the week because we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Paul further says, he says, let's not squabble about the day. If you want to meet on a Saturday, go ahead and meet on a Saturday, but celebrate the resurrection of the Lord, or midweek. But one day is very, very important. Remember, uh, 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 every day is a Sabbath day. But within the church of the Lord Jesus, there needs to be one day that is the Sabbath day for the church. And so you could read about how the church got together, how they met during different times. They did it differently, even as we've had to do during the coronavirus. But we always should be um, migrating towards um, the pattern and the plan that scripture sets out for us. And so as we rebuild again as a church after coronavirus, after people have come back to their countries, new people come in, you need to know that for Lift Church, Our Sabbath day is on a Sunday and it's a day we take very seriously because it is the day when the church gathers together. This is not the church. The church are the called out ones, called out of darkness into the light and we become the church. And if you are the church, you would have had to meet the Lord Jesus first to be a part of the church. The scripture says when we are in Christ, there is hope for us, and out of that we are the church. So it's not going through a confirmation class that makes you a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember growing up in an Afrikaans family in South Africa, and the tradition within the Afrikaans churches was that you had to go through confirmation classes. At what age was it? About 13. Rinas? What was the age of confirmation? Was 16. 16 for some churches, 13 for other churches, but you had to go through the confirmation class before you can do communion. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it teach us that. It is helpful, but that's not the criteria for us to break bread together means that we have met the Lord Jesus Christ personally as our Lord and Savior, and that's the biblical criteria, and that's why we break bread together, and that is when individually we become a part 
of the church, the body of Christ, is when we've met the Lord Jesus. When he saves us, he purposefully puts us and places us in his church by meeting him. That's the grace gift to us. And then he has a purpose for us. And as a church, we walk in the purposes of God. Sunday service is like the interval between our lifestyle as a Christian. It is, it is in, in, in Swiss German, it is called the poser. And in Afrikaans, is it also called the poser? So, you know, Afrikaans and the Swiss Germans have some words in common. But it's, it's that time where we are involved in everything during the week. We live out our faith within the marketplace, within area, all areas as the church. We don't cease being the church when we leave here. We are the church. So we live out our life here, but the church gathers together one day of the week, everybody together, and there is the glory of God that surrounds us, and there we read the word of God together. There we together encourage one another in the Lord. We step into the promises of God with each other on a Sunday, and people are encouraged in God. And that's why Paul says in the book of Corinthians that we shouldn't neglect, no, that was, that's not in the book, that's in Hebrews, do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together as it is the habit of some. He says, rather spur one another towards good works. And then in the book of Corinthians, he says, when you come together, we must encourage one another. That means we need to speak courage in each other's lives. And that is why this morning is so important that we speak courage into one another's lives. Now that happens during the week in small groups. It happens during the week when we pray together. But when you come together, there is an anointing, a blessing when God's people gather together and when friends outside of God's people gather together with us as well. And there you find God. It's a passage in 1 Corinthians around 11 and 14, around chapter 14, where Paul says, you know, um, when the non-believer enters the church and he hears a, a message spoken in tongues and that message is interpreted, the non-believer makes the claim and he says, surely the Lord was there. Isn't that amazing? That speaks about the corporate worship of the body of Christ. When God supernaturally breaks through within his people here and the gift of tongues is released and it's, it's interpreted within the presence of the people and the non-believer says, God surely is there. That's the gathering of God's people, my friends. That's the power of it. The, uh, the person who is a friend of ours who doesn't know Christ yet will be drawn to Christ in these meetings and they'll find Christ. Through the believers, 
flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just the gospel that is preached, which is very important, but it's also through the ministry of the people as they come together within a church that people are touched and their lives are changed. Isn't that wonderful? Amen? That's the church. That's the power of these gatherings. And that's why this is not a flippant gathering that we just come to. We come here preparing ourselves to meet with God and with one another and to trust God for our friends who are outside of the church. And we're passionate about these things as a congregation at Lyft. That's why you're so important. If you're not here on a Sunday, someone else could be missing out through your lack of being here because what God wants to use each and every one is when we meet at Do you know how people's lives are touched there after service when we break bread? Well, well, we don't quite break bread together, but we have coffee and tea and water together and juice. It's so important because you are touching the life of another person. Your presence is as important as my presence. Your message on a Sunday is as important as my message here. And I highly acclaim the preaching of the word of God. We spend so much time praying and preparing. So much time. And so for me to say that your contribution is as important as mine, you know that I never devalue what we do up front here. But your contribution is as important. That's the New Testament church's guidelines and the practice. Your presence here is incredibly important. At home, you can't do that, people. At home, it serves a purpose during coronavirus. But if you're at home, you can't do this. And that's why the enemy is so clever, even during this period that we've been through, to scatter the church. And that scattering isn't because of persecution. So much of that, with the exception of those who truly can't be here because of other illnesses and other circumstances, the enemy scatters the church. And this dynamic operates less than what it should. Your contribution is so important. And so, this is what David said. And in the context of speaking about the Sabbath day, he says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord. And the word planted is a very important word that I want us to look at for a few minutes. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is a bright. You see, when the heathen nations, when you look at the preceding verses, say all kinds of things about God and his people, he says when we're planted in the house of the Lord, he says when we bear fruit in our orders, when we stay fresh and green, our lives will testify to the fact that the Lord is upright. The testimony of the believer's life will speak sermons and messages to the people out there. 
Can I tell you a quick little story of what happened last night? It's so cool, I love this. Um, last night, Jenny and I, we went for a nice long drive and got home and uh, we had dinner and um, it was about seven o'clock and I just said to Jenny, oh, the sun goes down way too early these days. I said, I'm gonna go for my walk and I just love walking in the beautiful paradise that God has placed us. And you can ask others, I love Hagendorn. It is, it is the place where God is building his kingdom. Of course not. But I love that place. And I go walk there and she says, but you walk the same route two or three times a week. I just said, I can't get enough of it. I just love it. I go for a walk and I go and pray and I see people out and I chat to the people and, and I just love that. And last night, walked a long way down and it was gonna be a 45 minute walk and it ended up being an hour and 45 minute walk. I was hoping Jenny would call me and say, where are you? But she didn't. And I walked past a home of people that we met. We had them in our home before the coronavirus, so that was about a year and a half. And they said, we're gonna get you, and because of corona, we never got there, and they're a Swiss couple, and they are younger Swiss couple, don't have any children, and um, she's uh, a criminal lawyer, and he's an engineer, and we just got on so well. But they moved house about five minutes walk from our place, where they used to live just in the same block. And as I walk by, I haven't seen them for a year and a half, although I walk that route often. And on their balcony, they saw me walking, and they shouted, come on, very unlike the Swiss. <laughs> I shout, Piet, Piet, Piet. I don't know what their neighbors thought. And, and I, I, I'm, I didn't hear too well at that moment. Jane would say, you normally don't hear very well. And as she was speaking, I looked up and there, they were, come on here. And so I walked past and they said, just wait, we're coming down. And they came down from the Balcana house and we just started talking and we spoke for about 45 minutes. And, and they're such a lovely couple and they asked how we were doing and I say, fine. And I said, how are you doing? And the husband says, no, we're doing well. And the lady just stopped and she said, well, we're not really doing that well. You know, and... And the most beautiful thing is that for about a half an hour, we just talked about some things that happened. She's a, 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 a very uh, avid horse owner and her youngest horse had died and the horse is like a child to her. And that was about two weeks ago. And so we could speak for a half an hour just about those deep hurts within her life and, and we could just talk. You know, and friends, the most amazing thing is when we are able to help people open up their hearts, there's a chance that they'll open their hearts to Jesus. And right there, we made a dinner date for in about a week and a half's time. Right there, you know, the lady, and again, it's all so un-Swiss-like, but I stood there and as I wanted to go, she came and she just hugged me. She held me for about four or five seconds. And I took my hand to shake her husband's hand and he dropped his hand and he came and he just held me and he hugged me. My friends, for me, church is not just what we do here. I was being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ outside there in a very natural way. I didn't mention the name of Jesus once. But my friends, there is something within us that resonates to the people out there that is so profound. They will see 
through our lives, our witness, our testimony, that the Lord is upright. Not what we say, but it's how we live. You know, and my friends, I love being a part of Lift, and I've said it so many times before, but I believe God sent us here for the Swiss and for the other nations, not just for this incredible group of people like you. It's part of your commission and mine. And I get so excited. You can see that. I could speak hours about that on Sunday mornings because I hope that you catch something that we're catching from other people that do it so well. And they said, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. My friends, that is what happens when we are planted in the house of the Lord. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Now, a palm tree is a beautiful tree. The righteous will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. The cedar grows high above all of the other trees. It speaks about where the grass will wither, these trees will grow. Because you see, grass does not have the type of roots that the palm tree and the cedar of Lebanon has. When the wind comes, when the heat comes, the grass dies. It is here today, gone tomorrow. He uses the analogy of the wicked. That's how they are. They are like grass. But he says the righteous will flourish like the palm tree. My friends, what's within you will testify. He says, you know, um, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Even within the courts of our God, when we're together, the righteous will flourish. And you and I need the righteous because there are times when I struggle. Oh, it's, 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 it's been a tough start to the year for me. And I've just had to have some, some men and people who, who would just speak courage into my heart and life. And I was so encouraged by some of you. You know, this is, this is what happens. In the courts of the Lord, we will flourish because the righteous are there. They will still bear fruit in their old age. They will stay fresh and green. That's self-explanatory. And so when we look at all of these things, my friends, this helps us to realize that we can't be like a ship without a rudder. You know, it just goes everywhere. But we need to have a rudder. And that rudder is to have a conviction that it's important for the church to gather together. Because in all of these moments, The benefits of what David says here is ours. So, just a word study or two. What does it mean to be righteous in verse 12? Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Now, in our small groups, I'm sure that you had some questions this past week about what righteous mean here. What does it mean to be righteous? You become become righteous when you are saved. 
into Christ by grace and through faith. That's how you become righteous. It's not by your good works. It's not by your efforts. You become righteous when your life makes its way through the life of Christ and who he is gets transposed into your life and a miracle takes place and you're no longer in yourself. It says you are in Christ. When you're in Christ, there is the hope of glory that comes into your life. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine says, for it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by your works, so that no one can boast. It is a miracle of God for us to become righteous within him. And secondly, to be righteous means that we believe what the Bible says is true. It is what we believe. Not what we do, but it's what we believe. If we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, as John tells us, we believe that there is a righteousness that is imparted into our lives, and what we believe makes us righteous. When we don't believe what the Bible tells us, we are not righteous. We can stand on our, we can say, well, we are saved by grace and all stuff like that. Very important, but if you don't believe the Bible, you are not righteous. Gotta believe the Bible. Several passages in Timothy and in Titus, and I sat with the lady and I showed her those passages. You know, and it is incredible when you start reading the word of God that Paul at different places says that this man is no longer walking with me because he stopped believing our message. This person is no longer walking with God because they loved the world too much, so they believed, but then they started to walk a different road. Even speaks about some very interesting scenarios here within the Word of God, and 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 it is really disturbing when you read the Word of God and when you see what people believe there, and when they stop believing the Word of God, my friends, they're in serious trouble. You know, it, it, it speaks in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And it speaks about how younger widows should behave themselves in God's household. And the topic is God's household. And so Paul says in verse 14 of 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. Isn't that scary? Already turned away and they're following Satan. So my friends, the righteous people are people who believe what the word of God says. I don't understand the whole word of God. I don't. 
but I believe the word of God to be the truth of God. Would you say amen? Do, you, do we believe that as a church? As a church, we really believe the word of God. Don't believe what culture says because culture changes. Jenny spoke so well and taught the ladies on Friday about removing the ancient marks within scripture. Go and do that. Believe what the word of God says. My friends, when we believe right, we will live right. When we believe incorrectly, we will live incorrectly. And of course, this is a growth within our lives. As we read the word of God, if we see what the Bible says, we need to make those adjustments. And that's how we walk with God. And so I can speak for hours just on this part of the scripture. But my friends, it is so incredibly important to understand what the term righteous means. You become righteous when you are saved just by grace through faith. You are righteous when you believe what the Bible says. And the righteous are those who live the way the Bible instructs and commands us to live. It's not one, it's not the other, it is all of this together. Can't just take the one truth because then you'll get into legalism. You can't take the other truth because then you get into lasciviousness. That means everything goes, no boundaries. But you've got to take all three of these statements that we are saved by grace, that we need to believe right, but we also need to live right. Never in the church's history do we need to hear this word more. Trust me, because we are involved in the lives of people out there and we see how the devil is tricking people. He is saying that gathering together with the local church is no longer important, which is all a part of the church, so just do your own thing. My friends, that is not true. That's an error. Firstly, there's deception that takes place. The enemy will deceive us. Secondly, you'll fall into error. And we're here to help people out of error. And God does that through his word and through his Holy Spirit. But when we get to the next level, so you have deception, you have error, but then you fall into heresy. And my friends, heresy, when you're there, it's a scary place to be. We need to help people to stop sliding into that place. So when the people, when the scripture speaks about the righteous, we take all three of these truths into account and we encourage one another in these things. You know, we don't speak a whole lot about the devil within the church because we speak a whole lot about Jesus. Amen, have you noticed that? But I think we do one another disservice not to speak about the devil enough. My friends, in our church, according to the Bible, we believe that the devil is well. We believe that he's got brain damage because the Bible says so in Genesis. We believe that he was exposed when Jesus triumphed over the devil, the sin and the grave, but we believe that he is not totally defeated yet. And when you read the New Testament, you see scripture upon scripture upon scripture 
speaking about the devil and his ways and even how young widows in this passage in, and I just read it this week and I shudder when I read these words, some have in fact already turned away to follow Satan. Uses the word Satan. Do you cringe when you hear the word Satan? I cringe. It is almost like the same way when I use the word hell. You know, I want to do it and I want to weep. I never want to use the word hell in a flippant sense because my friends, hell is real. People who do not believe the Lord Jesus, who are not Christians, when they die, they go to hell. I had some people really cross with me a few years ago because I preached on the abbreviation RIP. What me, it means what? Rest in peace. My friends, when people die without Jesus, they're not going to rest in peace. You know, people were cross with me that Sunday. You can't put on Facebook, rest in peace, if they didn't know Jesus. That's not the gospel that we're preaching. My friends, I want my friends to know Jesus so that they will rest in peace. Amen? Our confession needs to back our belief. And that's a very, very interesting one. And so as a church, as we rebuild into the foundations of our church, my friend, you need to know that we believe in Jesus 100%. We believe in the devil as a fallen angel that is real. And we believe that if people surrender their lives to Jesus and he becomes Lord and Savior of their lives, that they will rest in peace and we'll be together for all eternity. Amen? But the alternative is also true, that the devil is man. Um, in Afrikaans, we have a wonderful term. It is, the devil is lustig. You know, and some of the Afrikaans people will know what lustig means. I don't know whether that's a Swiss German word too. Well, maybe we need to make it one. And it means that the devil is lustig, man. That means he is seeking, he is um, uh, 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 Help me, Afrikaans people. <laughs> Listig means that he is, he is um, ready and he is desirable to rob from the Christian person, but also from the person who's not a Christian. He is working. The Bible says in Peter, the devil is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Listig is kind of like seeking who he may devour. He's out there. And my friends, you say, well, what does that have to do with us, with the church being planted in the church? This very fact. The psalmist says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of lemon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. My friends, when you're a part of a community of believers who believe right and by the grace of God seek to live right, when the enemy is after you, the Jesus is there. But my friends, sometimes Jesus wants you to be touched by his hands, his feet, his ears and his mouth and that's his body, his church. Amen? You are safe 
when you're planted in the house of the Lord. When you're out there by yourself, man, the devil has a field day. You open yourselves up to the attacks of the enemy. When you're amongst a believing people who are not judgmental, who are gracious, who will be there to help you in your time of need, my friends, it is one of God's protection promises over you. When you're planted in the house of the Lord, God will be there for you. My friends, I'm passionate about the church. Honestly, I can speak about the church without notes for years. Why? Because I've been a pastor for 37 years, pastored four or five churches, three with Jenny. And I've been a Christian since I was a small little boy. I've seen the good of the church and I've seen the bad of the church, amen? I've been part of the good of the church and I've been part of the bad of the church, amen? Because I'm human. But there is no more wonderful institution on the face of the earth than the church. And you'd say, well, the family is. No, my friends. The family becomes great when she's a part of the church because the family cannot provide what the church can. And this is also a good place to say amen. Because some people are saying, well, it's just me and my family. We just worship God together. You know, they just haven't read the New Testament. Come on. Just haven't read the New Testament. We need each other. I've seen the downs and ups of the church, but my friends, <laughs> When we're in trouble, make sure you're planted in that. Visitors, if you're not a part, if you're not planted in a church and you're just visiting here and you're going back to wherever you live, make sure you get planted in a church that believes the Bible. Don't go just to any church. But someone who believes the Bible. Now, I know churches believe different, but that's fine. But at least one where the basics, doctrines of God's word is honored. Go there. Shall I say it or not? Yes, let me say it. Should I say it or not? Ken, should I say it? Yes, I'll say it. Christine, come on, let's be brave. A bad church is better than no church. A weak church is better than no church. Because without the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, imperfect people, there's just too much that goes on within our own lives that happens. Do not trust your own faith to do it by yourself. That's when you'll get into deception somewhere or another. The church is there for us. My friends, this is what it means when the scripture says, the righteous are those who will live the way the Bible instructs and commands us. And we're gonna stop here. I'd like you to stand, please.